Hey guys, welcome to the We Are Men podcast. I am your host, Carl Mason. And in this podcast, we sit down and talk with local heroes from Southwest Sydney about life, mental health, and strategies for coping with the day-to-day issues that we all face as men. Our aim with this podcast is to create a space where men can open up and discuss their mental health without the fear of shame or exclusion. I know it can be hard to ask for help as a man, but no man needs to struggle alone. We hope to encourage all men to talk about what they're going through and seek help when they need it. A quick note, this podcast may feature some adult language and suicide may be discussed, which could be triggering for some listeners. Today on the podcast, we are chatting with John. John lives in Tarmor in the Southern Highlands and was diagnosed with MS in his early 20s. He's a proud father, TAFE student, and is the president of Douglas Park Little Athletics. He helped start up the community pantry at Bargo and strives to be an active member of his community. Let's jump in and chat with John. Okay, John, first thing I want to say before we kick off is just a massive thank you for being involved and for sitting down with us again. This project is something that we're all here pretty passionate about. Um, And speaking to you last time, uh, you had some really great things to say about this subject matter. Um, I've had my own personal experience with uh, mental health. So being able to see other men openly talk is great for me, but also I'm sure for a lot of men who will watch this, so thank you. No worries. So it's been a year, about a year, since we last caught up. What have you been up to uh, in that time? Uh, a few things have happened. I've been separated. I have some time with my child now. We share custody of my child. My son's moved in full time, so a lot's happened in the last 12 months and what's happened in my life, yeah, so... I think for everyone who hasn't heard your story and have, hasn't watched the other yep. video we made with you, um, do you reckon you could, would you be able to tell us a little bit about uh, your life before uh, you were diagnosed with MS? Uh, my life before I was diagnosed with MS, I was a, uh, a father of two children li- living up in the Blue Mountains area. Got diagnosed probably when I was in my early 20s. Um, had had a business, employed about 50 people full-time, 50 people part-time. And as slowly as my illness got worse, I slowly become world-bound, which was probably when I got my third child, probably about 12 years ago. So I've been in a wheelchair since. The life before my, before I was in a wheelchair was pretty good, pretty full-on, pretty active, doing everything. So it was a big change from going from that to what i got now in a wheelchair. It's taken me a long time to accept the situation and totally change your attitude to what a man's supposed to do and what a man's supposed to be. Um, I grew up in a big family of seven kids and the father's the one who, my dad was the one who uh, provided and the mum was always at home. So that was the way I was brought up. And I sort of lived that tune until I got ill. And so I had to end up looking after my children. And it was a very big change in life to being not the uh, main income earner to someone that did the stuff around the house, which ended up quite enjoyable, great enjoyment. See my youngest daughter grow up. She's in year seven now. So, no, it's one of the good things about becoming in the wheelchair permanently was I stayed at home and enjoyed my children. It must have been really tough, John, when you were in the wheelchair full-time. What were some of the toughest effects of that on your life? The toughest effects of my life was 
not feeling worthy to be in the community, always being, feeling like being a burden on people. Just getting used to what you can and can't do. For example, I now depend more on public transport than I've got a van. Um, get to know to ask people for help. When you go shopping, if you can't reach something, being able to ask someone to help you. At times it's pretty degrading, the way the people look at you. They yell at you because you're in a wheelchair. I'll go, hello, how are you? Like you're deaf. And, and sometimes it just surprised that you can actually hold a conversation with them. Because for some reason people think if you've got a disability, you're usually one that can't communicate. And they have this stereotype idea in their head of what some of the disability is. But that means for everyone, someone might have mental illness too. But that's an invisible disability and they have it harder, I think. Because you can't actually see their disability. So when you're mentally ill, it's... It's one of the things people can't see. And it's hard, just hard to communicate to people that you have a disability and what you need and what you don't. It's obviously been really tough for you. Uh, how has it affected your mental health? Uh, my mental health, probably many years ago, I attempted suicide. And I'm glad now I wasn't success successful. I was in a bad mental health position and I got the help that I needed, so I, I'm, I'm, I haven't been there since that day. I'm still here, thank God. Um, it's been a battle for the last many years. Um, I've just come out of it probably two years ago, maybe, two, three years ago. And that's by talking to people, feeling comfortable in yourself, which is hard. It's one of those challenges you've got to... If you haven't got no control out of something, it's very hard to accept at times. I just changed my lifestyle, started doing some exercise, started doing some study, get back into the population, went to the coffee shop, started talking to people in the coffee shop. It affects you, it, it just shatters you. Just, you think you're going to be at a certain stage in your life and then when you turn to that and you're nowhere near it. So, for example, I turned 49 last week. I didn't, ex didn't expect I'd be here. I thought I'd be in a different place, as in uh, maybe more successful. But success is... Um, I've learned success is measured in different ways. From my, from my battling mental illness, it doesn't mean you've got to have the best house or the newer car. I've, I've figured out it's all about family. And I think I'm doing the right job with the family at the moment. Young, the son's having a few battles, I'm helping him. And my daughter's just started year seven, so that's hell in itself. So I'm there, and I think I'm doing the right job with it, but fighting mental illness is the hardest challenge anyone can have. And it's very hard for a bloke to ask for help, because we're taught at a young age to be strong, be tough. So if you see a bloke crying, people... What do you say when you see a boy cry on the fall on the floor? You go, oh, get up, don't cry like a girl. So we've bred that into us at a young age. And, and when you get older, you figure out it's not too bad to have a cry once in a while. Go for a hug, have a hug or something like that. Blokes need a hug. Blokes need to talk to each other. We need to sit down and 
just talk crap with each other and out of that crap you end up having a few serious conversations. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, we need to sit down and talk to our kids and tell them it's all right to cry. It's all right. When, when we get older, we should not be afraid to share our emotions. Exactly. How did you get to the point where you felt comfortable doing that? Probably a bit on my mother's influence. She helped guide me in that way a bit. And just with my counsellor, she helped me go through a lot. Um, talking to other men. I notice everyone handles situations differently. There's no right or wrong. But just getting help. And that's the hardest thing to ask for, is to get help. It's no use going somewhere to get help if you're being forced to. You've got to do it when you're willing. Yeah, got You've got to be willing to do it. It's the hardest thing a bloke can do, I think, is ask for help. You mentioned that you, you feel you're doing really well with family, which is what you think is, is the most important and a, you know, a good definition of success. Um, how has your journey been since uh, becoming ill and, and how, how did that affect your, your family life? My family life, when I became ill, it was hard for everyone. Um, my ex-wife was hard on her. My kids, that, like my, um, my youngest daughter, she's never seen me walk. But she sees photos of um, the old photos of me doing sport or videos of me doing sport. And she um, gets upset because she's never seen that. The oldest two, they, they've gone through help because they've seen me deteriorate. And you see your children, that your loved ones hurt, and it just makes it harder on yourself. So it's been a, it's a hard journey going from someone who's physically capable of doing something to someone that needs help. Not only physically, but we need, I need, needed help mentally and I didn't accept that till a few years ago. It's been a hard journey for the whole family. It's just, I've learned it doesn't only affect me, it affects everyone in the family. It affects your friends, it affects everyone. Well, that's great. I think that you're, you, you say now that your things are going well. Yeah, they get, they, they, you get your bad days. And when I have my bad days, I go and do something unusual, like I'll go and catch a train to the city. Or if I have my daughter for the weekend or the week, we'll go and do something out of the blue. Organise a trip away. Um, yeah, just or just go for a longer coffee. Or just yeah, just get out and do something different. Just, just get out of your own headspace and enjoy the world around you. Yeah, I think that's really important. I know I do that as well. If I'm in a bad place. It's like we've got a park across the road from our house and every day I'll go and walk in that park. But sometimes when I'm in a bad place, it's like that, that walk doesn't help me because it's just I'm in that same repetition of doing the same walk. So sometimes I think yeah, doing something different opens your eyes to a different perspective maybe or like oh, a different ab view ab on life. Absolutely correct. You've got to try to, put your, I try to put myself out of my comfort zone and sometimes it gets me into trouble. For example, the other day I had to get the fire brigade to help me because I got bogged with my daughter, so they had to come and pull me out. Just got to try to what you just get a bit out of your comfort zone and try to experience new things that you feel comfortable with. What might might feel comfortable with might be someone else. It's no right or wrong answer. We just got to get just got to try to clear our headspace. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So you've 
you've obviously gone through a tough time and you have, you know, you've worked really hard. You said you've been to counselling and you've spoken to people and you're working through. What are, the, what are some of the uh, things that you get up to nowadays? Nowadays, um, I go for a coffee in the morning, uh, take my daughter to gymnastics, I'll go back to study, go around and see some of the older people around here who haven't got any family members or anything like that, just make sure they're all right. Part of Douglas Park Little Athletics, I'm the president there. And my daughter wants to play rugby league next season, so I'll probably end up coaching her there. Planning to go back into the swimming pool. Try to do some hydrotherapy hydro, uh, with that. We've got a new ploy hoist down at there. Um, yeah, just look after the household. You seem to be really involved in the community. Yeah, uh, and I helped start up Community Pantry at Bargo. I'm not in Fuluate anymore, but I helped them start it up. And at the moment, I'm helping another lady who started up a a community pantry down at Kellyville. I helped to get the contacts and get all the stuff done for her policies and procedures and stuff like that and how to get in contact with people at Food Bank. And she's made an agreement now with Audi around that area there, Kellyville, and all that to pick up the food that they don't use instead of throwing it away. So, yeah, I'm pretty well involved in the community in a whole. Have you always been in that involved? Nah, nah, I used to be an arrogant bastard. Didn't care. I, I didn't care, I just wanted to make money when I was having my own business, but in that journey of being mentally ill, it's just changed my whole outlook on life and realised what's important to me. Might be important to someone else, but it's important to me and there's no right or wrong. It's, it was a good journey that I've been on. It's been a hard journey. So when I was young, I just didn't care about anyone else. I wasn't very empathetic. Even though my parents were very empathetic people, it didn't rub out to me till I was a bit older. So you said uh, you've realised what's important to you. What is, in, what is that that's important to you now? Oh, mental, my mental health. It's got to be... It's got to be tried to be in a good spot most of the time. You've got to know what triggers your, um, your bad moods and try to control them. Try to control those triggers. And if you know that tr some, some triggers you just can't help, and just realise that that trigger's going to happen and make sure you look after yourself after that, whatever that is. Yeah, I think that's a great advice because a lot of people, I think, never realise their triggers and you know, just easily go from in and out of bad moods and feel like they're out of control. So I think that's great if you can identify what your triggers are. You can either work on them or, or avoid them. Yeah, I think you have to do. Yeah, how to work with them or work, you know, just avoid them. Yeah. Because and no matter how you do it, that trigger is going to be there one way or another. Yep, it's a lot of mental health, isn't it? Learning how to work with it. Yeah, you that's... You can't fight it. Uh, you can't fight it. You just got to... And I hate that word man up because what does man up mean? I mean, you just got to... You got to be who you are and be comfortable in your own skin and realise that you might need help and know that everyone's different and get the help. Could be anyone, doesn't matter who it is, just someone that you feel comfortable with. So that was going to be my next question. If someone, if some, a young man out there is watching this and he's going through a really, his, his hardest time, what would be your advice? Talk to someone that you think will listen to you. And if you don't think you have anyone, go and see a counsellor. Where they're non-judgmental, they'll just listen, give you some tools how to handle the situation you're into. 
senior counsel is the best thing that's ever happened to me. They're non-judgmental. They give you a few activities to do if you want. And, and self-guiding, so you do it yourself. So it's, yeah, I'd go and, see, go and see your doctor first. They'll give you a health plan. And it doesn't cost you anything. It'll benefit you. Mental illness, just because you can't see it, doesn't mean it's not real. It's real. I mean, it's all right if you've got a broken leg, they see you. Got a broken leg, you've got a plaster on. If you've got mental illness, you can't see it. But you know you've got it. And people around your close family that know you're not well. John, what do you think are one or some myths about male mental health? Oh, if you've got mental health, you're not tough. You're not a real man. You're a sook. Yeah, or anything negative. You're weak. I mean, anything, anything negative connotation you can think about is what people think mental illness is, but it's not that at all. It's a, it's a real disease. And until everyone treats it as a disease, it's not, or an illness, should I say, it's an illness and should be treated as such, and people with it should be treated with respect for it. Because what they go through, you, we don't know what they're going through. We only see the cover, we don't see what's, what's happening on their inside. It's like the old saying, say, you don't know anyone, you don't know what happens in the, in the house, beyond that front door. They might have a different persona, what's behind their front door is what they do outside, so you just don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, John, you are the perfect example of that, you know, um, having mental health concerns isn't weak because I think you know, you're one of the strongest men I've come across in how you've handled what you've been through and you're happy to talk about it openly, you know, admit that you've had mental health concerns and I think this is what you said last time we spoke, that that is strength. Strength is admitting that you, you've had it and you're happy to talk to other people. I speak to a, lot, I speak to a fair bit of men outside there. There's a lot, of, a lot of men struggling with it because... A lot of men have lost their place in society. They don't know what they, what they are, what they're supposed to do, and and I can under, I can totally understand why. It's men are put in a hard place at times. They're too hard or too soft, and they've got to be the caring father, but they've got to be the loving husband, but they've got to be tough and strong. So, how are you going to do all that without admitting that you've got a mental illness? Is it's hard. So what do people do? I, I, I turned to drink. I started drinking a lot and self-medicating myself with that. And it's a terrible downslide. Down. Once you do stuff like that, no matter what your families do or say, you're not going to listen to them. Yeah. What What does it look like to be a man struggling with mental health? They're sad. They're, well, I was. I was sad. I was lonely. I had people around, but I was still lonely. Misunderstood. That's what I felt like. There's, no th there's not one thing that mental illness looks like. It's, it's everything, or it could be one thing. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, you battle every morning to get out of bed and go, oh. for myself, I'd look at that wheelchair and go, oh, shit, another day in my wheelchair. And, you know, and then... Your carers come in and you, know, and you just know that you're battling. And not only are you now battling physically, you're battling mentally because you don't want to be here. 
because you don't feel happy inside, you're sad. You don't feel loved. You feel people don't understand you. That was my experience with mental illness. Yeah. What, what would you say to someone watching this who's having those feelings and is at that point where they might be having suicidal ideation? It's a journey. When you're ready, ask for help. It's not going to be an easy journey, but it does get better. It might be a day, might take a couple of years, but talk to someone and start the conversation with anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. And there'll be people out there who are willing to listen and help you. And a help could mean just a simple cup of coffee or just a, a quick chat to your day at work or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be something dramatic. Just realise yourself you need help and just work on that. It's the only advice I can say. Yeah, I think you mentioned last time that uh, you just started go up to the supermarket, have a chat with someone in the supermarket, go to the coffee shop. Yeah, just, that's just what I do. That's my morning ritual. I have my breakfast. If I don't have to do anything, any community works or any more study or anything like that, I, I just go to the coffee shop and sit there for an hour, have a coffee, chat to different people, get to know the locals and I come home. In the afternoons, if I have my daughter, I meet her at the coffee shop again, have a coffee, she has a banana smoothie, talk to people and just come home. Yeah, it's, it's just a little ritual I do now. People come and chat to me and it's helped me get confidence to go in the community and that because there are a lot of nice people out there. Like, honestly, I think it's such great advice what you're saying. It's just That's all right. So, met, so many men just won't seek help. You know, they think it's, it's weak, but you're right. It's, it's, it's not weak. Definitely it's, not. It's, a, it's the strongest thing a man can do, I think, is ask for help. Obviously, you mentioned that you know, when you got ill, you had a business running lots of people and you lost that. How was the financial stress at that time? Well, I went bankrupt. So I had a few properties, lost everything. I thought I lost my future. So that was hard. It was from someone that had everything to end up having nothing. Once the business failed, I had to declare bankrupt. And that was the start of the um, spiral down. But it seems like, it seems like now that you, your focus is, you, you know, you've realised that family is what is important. Family, and friends and... In connection, do you think? Connection and con being connected with people. It's not only necessarily family, it's just being connected with people. Um, and getting excited about life. Because I was sitting around being miserable. It's easier said than done, just snap out of it. I bloody hate that. People go, oh, just snap out of it. You just can't snap out of it. It, it takes a while and everyone's different. So I just feel like headbutting people when they say to other people, snap out of it. It doesn't happen. It's, it's a journey and everyone takes a different road and all roads are different lengths. So. How do you keep going when, when you know, it may be a long journey? Oh, I talk to an old mate that I used to go to school with, uh, go out with a couple of mates to the pub, I'll go on a holiday, or just a cheap one, doesn't have to be anything fancy. I just try to get, a, get out of my headspace, just make sure you know you're going down that road and you just don't want to go there. So you've got to, with the tools you got, just make sure you don't keep going down that road because you just don't want to go down it because you know what it's like before and you just don't want to go back there. Yeah. 
how do you think looking after your, your own mental health is helping you look after your family? Me looking after my own mental health means it's a lot happier household. We've got direction in the household now. We're not turning on eggshells. So I used to snap really easy, get angry over little things, not worry about the big things. So my focus wasn't really on the things that mattered in life. I was worried about just little things and that I'd get angry about that. So it's made the family life, family life a lot happier. They're all, it's more stable. It's just more of an enjoyable household. And I've got a more enjoyable life. And the thing with mental illness is, for me, it's a constant battle. It's, it's always there. I go for a tune-up. It's like getting a car service. I get a tune-up with my counsellor every few months, every six months, every three months, depending on what's going on in my life. And sometimes it's just to talk to someone that's not judgmental. Um, so I know it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. Um, I might go through six or eight months, nothing, nothing's triggered it off, then suddenly something does. And that's when I get my supports in place. I go and see my counsellor or, uh, as I said, I'll go for a holiday somewhere or do something weird or just do something out of the normal just to get out of your... Because one, I figured out what triggers... My mental is if I do everything routine day in and day out and your mind starts to wander because you're just on autopilot, so I try to oh, spice it up a bit. So it's just constant battle with the mental illness. We have just, just, just ups and downs all the time. And I'm at a flat plateau. I'll try to keep it at a flat plateau and I take it from there. Uh, so, John, final thing, I just want to say a massive thank you. Really appreciate you sharing your story because I think it's going to inspire a lot of men to hopefully open up, talk about what's going on, and hopefully save some lives. So, no, so do I. Not a problem. Thanks for that. Thank you for tuning in. A huge thank you to our guest. Make sure you head to wearemen.com.au for more information about the project and for a list of services that are available to men out there who want to learn how to be a man who talks. See you guys next week.